0: The National Football League was on the brink last year. Not of death, not, let's not talk crazy now, but the type of loss of relevance that has humbled baseball and boxing over the past generation or so. But now, as the NFL's 100th season kicks off this week, there's a sense of fresh energy. And I would argue that if football's gonna make a full comeback, technology is gonna have to play a big role. First, a word about where we've been. Football was the undisputed champ of major sports leagues popularity-wise, but between critical tweets from President Trump, fans angry about players kneeling during the anthem, fans angry that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job after kneeling, concerns about player concussions and safety, the spotlight was withering. Now things appear to be turning. The NFL struck a deal with Jay-Z's Roc Nation to promote music and merchandise that will benefit social justice causes, possibly addressing the move for player activism. The owners and players are already at the table for collective bargaining, Cowboys owner uh, Jerry Jones told CNBC this week, in hopes of presenting a strong case to both broadcast and streaming partners. Uh, esports is gaining in popularity, potentially boosting the brand of the real game. And legal sports betting, enabled by smartphones, has some fans closer attention than ever when it comes to football so welcome to Fort Knox rich ideas and powerful people I am John Fort from CNBC here at the NASDAQ market site overlooking Times Square with me this week CNBC sports guy Eric Chemi you're also a data guy
1: that's you're, right you're that's a, guy right. a guy I have a, a lot of things going. yeah you on. got a
0: lot of things going on so how bad was it this last year for the NFL you think Last year was actually pretty
1: good because they were up about 5%. Um, but the beginning, the beginning of the year wasn't so looking so hot. Ago, yes, right a year ago, right before the season started, uh-huh. we were talking about, So remember it's 2018, we're going into the midterm elections, and we were talking about how Republicans were gonna make the kneeling issue in the NFL, part of their midterm election strategy. Uh You were gonna see this over and over and over again, but then all of a sudden, it kind of just went away. All of a sudden, you had great performances by people like Patrick Mahomes. People started focusing on what was on the field again, and they seem to have gotten away from all the negative noise. Yeah, Maybe Will it'll Smith come back did a movie
0: about concussions. Right. I mean, granted, that wasn't just last year, but there was all of that momentum about negative so stuff. So you had
1: all it. that negative thing, but think of it like a stock, right? When all the negative news is baked in, usually the stock doesn't go down anymore. The National Football League, those ratings, the two years prior went down, call it almost 10% each of those years. So to bounce back up five, you're still far away from where you had been at the top a couple years ago. But yes, a lot of people were thinking, hey, if we can do a single digit loss, that'll be good. All of a sudden it was a 5% gain, so much better than they and thought. And the
0: headlines weren't looking that great overall. I mean, the Maroon 5, halftime show, I mean. Weak. Yeah, Just a little too
1: PC, a little too easy,
0: right? Right, and uh, so there's that. There's the stuff around safety that we've talked about. I, have, I feel like if the Andrew Luck stuff had happened I don't know, uh, a year or two ago, people would be fundamentally questioning the viability of the NFL as the most popular league, football is the most popular sport in a way that they aren't today.
1: What's interesting though, is you look at at the kid level, we see high school football participation is really going down very quickly. A lot of parents don't want their kids playing. A lot of kids don't want to play because they know what's going to happen. So they'll play safer sports, let's say, whether that's soccer, baseball, lacrosse, but they also want to watch football. So there's a differentiation between, oh, I play this, but I watch that. Maybe in 20 years that might not necessarily be true, because how many kids are boxing these days? How many people are watching boxing? They've both suffered over the last 50 years. But for now, you can see this dichotomy. That's why the league is pushing things like flag football, because they know it's kids who play football that will be their biggest fans in the future. So it might take 30 years for this whole cycle to play out.
0: And I feel like the tech is starting to creep in. We're gonna talk more about this later, but if we're talking about even the way that people consume football, a few seasons ago, it was like, okay, maybe four games, they'll test this out, Twitter, Yahoo, a little bit. Now we're up to what, 11?
1: A lot of games, right? A lot lot of games, you look at all the streaming, you look at Amazon is involved here, you've got all these big players, you've got the risk of, well, what if the big tech players come and they wanna buy up rights against NBC, CBS, Fox? and Disney, so that's also partly why the league, they want to get this collective bargaining agreement done with the players' union as soon as possible so that they can go to the big streaming partners and say, hey, you know there's not gonna be a strike, you know there's not gonna be a lockout, you can get these games on your platform. They're not necessarily trying to sell to Amazon, or Yahoo, or name your tech provider, Facebook, Google, whatever, they just want to make sure that CBS and NBC and ESPN and Fox pay the most amount of money possible. Because remember, their business is to get the most eyeballs watching. Think about it. CBS and Fox, these are over the air free networks. You can right. just, you can watch them with your antenna. So they're not necessarily trying to get this on a streaming platform that few people have. They want a lot of eyeballs. And they're selling stability,
0: right? I mean, it's, it's the NFL. You know what you're getting. You know what the rules are. There's four quarters, there's popular players. Here's how it works. You know, you get your timeouts. You can throw in your commercials. I mean, unlike so much out there with um, user-generated content or YouTube scar- stars who go rogue, like generally when it's Thursday night football,
1: you, you know what you're going to get. Well, think about why they made the networks give their number one play-by-play crew to do the Thursday night game. So you think about, typically speaking, a Jim Nance, Tony Romo type of group that does the best game on Sundays, if you're CBS. And similar with NFL, uh, NBC and Fox, they've got their primary broadcast team. So the NFL usually says, hey, if you want Thursday night games, we want your best team doing Thursday. We want Thursdays to seem like a big event. Right. Because we know the games are often pretty bad, because it's Thursdays, but we need to make it seem like this is the game
0: of the week. (laughs) Oh, once again, this is Fort Knox talking football because the NFL is kicking off its 100th season, and my thesis is that technology is going to be front and center if the game is really going to have the resurgence that it's trying to position itself for. So it's time to get some digits. It's a part of our program where I like to call up some numbers that are especially relevant to our conversation. Siri is going to give it to us. Siri, what's up first?
2: $89 million.
0: $89 $89 million, that is how much the NFL originally agreed to donate over seven years to address, quote, social issues considered important to African-American communities. And Eric, since then, we just had this deal between Rock Nation, that's Jay-Z's outfit, and the NFL. They're going to put out some special songs that are kind of around this social justice theme, Meek Mill, Rhapsody, Others have signed up to do that. Also, there's going to be merchandise. They're going to use the NFL's platform to kind of put it out there so people buy it. The argument, at least from a business side, is that that's going to give more funding to these programs nationwide. you think this is going to solve the problem? Because my take is... If it's gonna get closer to solving this social justice issue that the NFL
1: has, it's gonna take technology, social media in particular, to spread the word about these products. Right, because just us watching the game normally, that's not gonna change. They, they like to keep that pretty consistent. Uh-huh. That's not gonna solve any problems if you use these other avenues, right? Because think about, where the people are that are affected by these issues, where they are on the media side, right? They are on social media. They're generally a younger audience. They're a more urban audience. They're not necessarily the guys sitting there watching the games like we used to watch 25 years ago. So to be able to reach that consumer, I think you're right, you're gonna need social media, you're gonna need these other avenues. Music, everything music now is technology, right? There is no there's no physical music. It's all streaming, it's all videos, it's all social. So I think that is going to be something to be seen. How do you think How this is going to work? Is it?
0: How do you think this is going to work, though? Because I, when, when I think of the NFL and merchandise, I think about that commercial that comes on right off the F- Super Bowl, where you know, buy the T-shirt. Oh, right, the and fanatics that, right. <laughs> and the guy's wearing the jersey. Yeah, <laughs> right. Is, is, is it going to be like a social justice T-shirt with Jay Z modeling? I don't so, think, I think so. But I think if it's so,
1: that, people like you and I know that's BS. Right. right. Well, I'm not going to buy that T-shirt. What does that mean?
0: So I know, you know they'll have a concert connected to the game with some artist coming out with a song. I mean, I wonder what they're going to have to do to really kind of use that NFL platform, whether it's social, whether it's on TV, in a way that feels authentic.
1: That's the key, in a way that feels authentic, because if you do it wrong, you're just gonna make more angry the same people that were angry <laughs> in the first place that just think, look, is this just some corporate thing? Are they just moving money around? Are they trying to bribe my, my happy feelings here? Okay, because they paid Jay-Z and they paid his company that I should be okay with this now. I don't know, but I think that's why you're gonna see the players and their technology. The players have their own social media out- outlets, they can say what they need to say there's that players coalition and there are a lot of players that are not part of that coalition that'll speak out directly against it so we may see a lot more of this this antagonism this acrimony playing out in a technology based world that's, that's not being already seen on TV started
0: i, I mean i left out megan trainer you remember her from All mm-hmm. About That Bass mm-hmm. and If Your Lips Are Moving and Whatnot. Right. You know, when the announcement came out about Rock Nation heading this thing up, uh, the first three artists they announced were Meek Mill, Rhapsody, and Megan Trainor. And you know, Black Twitter just kind of went in on Meghan like, Trainor. Wait like, a minute, why is she going? How, <laughs> how is she going to solve the social justice? Right. I was like, wait a minute, didn't didn't you see Meek Mill in there? Come on, <laughs> but right, exactly. Wasn't so free Meek, Meek Mill just
1: last week? And all of a sudden, <laughs> instead of the two guys that they're happy with, they right. focus on the one that we don't want to be there. Yeah, they would have been better off just having two instead of three. When all of a sudden you're you're subtracting by adding, that's right. a bad PR. But that's thing. not diverse.
0: I don't know. Um, It it was a rough spot to be in. It just shows how rough, I think, But now we'll see how
1: much they actually utilize her. Is she going to pop up again, or would that be the last we ever hear from her? People
0: like Megan Trainer.
1: But which people? Is it the right people for the sidelines?
0: Well, you got to get a little bit of everybody. that's, That's what I think. All right. Siri, let's give us that next digit. Eleven. 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 Simple. That's how many games will be simulcast and streamed on Amazon this year, how far away are we from no longer needing a cable subscription to watch the NFL? Well, we were we were scratching the surface on this a little bit ago. The NFL is all about an absolutely huge audience. I don't know, I, I can't see them just allowing anybody without a subscription And But granted, I mean, NBC, some of these channels you can get over right. the air. Right. But it seems like we're a long way from streaming being the primary way that a lot of people get these games. I watch them on a small screen. It's kind of like they're viewable, but it's not as good as
1: being able to actually see the ball. Well, especially <laughs> the way that they film, right? They film now for a giant 65 inch TV. So it's yeah. very wide screen. You see so much because they're assuming you've got a big TV. But now all of a sudden you take that image and you put it on a tiny screen, you can't see the ball, you can't see the player. So, unless you're going to film it totally differently, much more zoomed in, that's going to be a different Even look. that wouldn't
0: really, I mean, hey, right, come on over. Watch no, the game. let's watch on it my, phone. my phone. Yeah. So, like we know football
1: is an event. Yeah. And an event is a big screen type of thing. What's interesting, though, when you think about the different tech providers, someone that I know, an executive at Facebook, they say, look, Facebook is free. We don't charge a monthly subscription. Amazon does for Amazon Prime. So they are better set up to take money in and be effectively a cable channel. Hmm. Because think about when you do HBO, you're paying them your 15 bucks a month, Netflix is 12 bucks a month, whatever it is. So Amazon is much more like that than a Facebook or a Google. So he said, don't expect a lot of Facebook to get involved in here. Don't expect Google to get involved in here. We are not set up from a business model to be a primary provider, because we don't take in a monthly subscription fee. So that's gonna be well, something to watch easy in the would the future. it be
0: for Facebook to say, hey, give us five bucks and watch the NFL? Like, if they really wanted to do that with their massive audience, they could be bigger than Amazon Prime,
1: like they that. Could they could be, but it's just interesting that they run their business off of ads. Because so, you don't think yeah. of Amazon as running off ads. You think of it as like, no, no, you buy from Amazon. You don't buy anything from Facebook. Just, It's just something to watch. They could change it, but it's something to watch over the next couple of years. Of these big tech players, maybe Amazon's going to have that leg up in terms of if they want to go all in, they could. And then also think about, you've seen other sports. Motorsports is a good example, some of the series there. NHL is another good example. They took a little bit more money to be on a lower level cable tier on your cable channels. You don't necessarily know what channel number that is. You can't necessarily (laughs) find it. You're not getting all the highlights on ESPN because ESPN is not airing those games. And all of a sudden, their ratings are going down. So that's going to be something the NFL has to watch. Do we take top dollar right now if it means fewer eyeballs down the road? I don't see them doing that. All right, Siri, give us the next digit.
3: 850%.
1: 850%.
0: That is the difference in viewership of EA Sports' Madden Bowl that's literally... People competitively playing Madden against each other. The video game. That's between 2018 and 2019. Uh, Eric, this is getting popular. Here's the guy who won the Madden Bowl. You've just seen that yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, this, this last cycle, you know, that season's going to get started again as well. Esports is starting to crop up alongside the regular sports leagues. We've seen it in the NBA. There's like an adjacent sort of league running right alongside it. I mean, this could be really big. Did you see the
1: story? It just came out in the past 48 hours. Pizza Hut is doing a stadium sponsorship in Madden 20. So when they have their video game championship and you're looking at the video game stadium, not a real stadium, a video game stadium, Uh it will say Pizza Hut Stadium when the video game players and are pizza playing. And Pizza Hut paid for that. Pizza Hut is paying to be in a video game stadium. At That's the same time that
0: they're eliminating restaurants that you can actually sit right. in, right. Pizza Hut is getting it's rid more, of real exactly. restaurants and It's more important for delivery.
1: us to sponsor video game stadiums than to actually have places that you can eat pizza. <laughs> yes. Now, I mean, doesn't that speak to the importance of technology
0: to this business overall? I mean, practically speaking, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been to a regular season NFL game. So the the stadium might as well be virtual as as far as I'm concerned, right? Like, I've never personally been there. But if you so,
1: watch an empty stadium, it is weird and creepy. Yes. You need the audience there, but you'd almost think, like, hey, we'll let you in for free just to get the crowd noise because it's all a TV show. That, that, Why that's even pay? Hey, we saying. need you to be there. It,
0: it, it's all virtual if you're not physically there right. anyway, right? Like, in a way. So it kind of makes sense for Pizza Hut to be spending this money. It's just It just kind of blows my mind that there's this entire virtual league and virtual play that's running alongside the real game and not necessarily taking interest away from it. It's building the brand overall. That's not the way I saw this playing out.
1: It's also another way that they're trying to reach that young demographic. We talked about high school participation going down in football because it's dangerous. But you can't get a concussion playing video game football. So if they can at <laughs> least get fans that way. You can hey, I mean, I mean you, you, you can. I don't know when I was a kid, sometimes those controllers You might get some, fly. your thumbs might get sore. <laughs> right. But, but generally speaking, yeah. you're less likely to get a concussion. Much less, playing yes. video game football, but if that's a way that they can keep that audience engaged, that's going to be good for their future. Hey, they play video game football, they want to watch regular football, just to have some sense connecting it back to reality. So that's another piece of technology that's keeping them plugged into the young guys.
0: Just like you can get your kneecaps broken gambling. Siri, give us... This last digit. Eleven. Eleven. Sounds familiar. That is how many months it took for New Jersey to overtake Nevada as the sports betting capital of the
1: U.S. based on total per month wagers. I mean, and and, and people are. And they passed again in July. It was May and July. New Jersey passed Nevada. Yeah. So now they're neck and neck. They're basically yeah. the same. Yeah. But, I mean, come on. New Jersey. I mean, when I, when I think of New Jersey,
0: I, I, I think of, you know, guys smoking cigars and these hats with a ribbon around them at a racetrack. You live in maybe. New Jersey. I know. But when I think of New Jersey <laughs> and gambling, I okay. should say. Not okay. when I think of New Jersey. and Right. When I think of New Jersey, I think of my kids and, and my wife. Yeah. But when I think of New Jersey gambling, that's what I
1: think of. But that's not what it is anymore. It's this, right? So that's, again, we're talking about technology. The main difference why New Jersey is taking over all these other states in gambling, they have been the most most permissive in terms of allowing mobile and online gambling. 80% of the New Jersey bets, the dollars, 80% of those dollars are coming off of mobile and online. And because New York and Pennsylvania don't have that same lax, let's say, the lax rules, a lot of people from Philadelphia, New York City, they're just driving or taking a bridge, tunnel, subway, whatever, right over the border, putting their bets in, and they're going right back. Because we can basically see New Jersey from here. Uh You could get there in 20 minutes, Put the bets, come right back and you don't have to be there for the game, you just have to get your bets in and then come back home and then watch the games back at home. So They're getting the millions of people in Philly and New York coming to do this on mobile and online. Right now there's 12 states that have some version of legalized sports gambling. Only five of them have some version of online or mobile access. You're going to see a state like Tennessee, which doesn't have any casinos, they're thinking about what if we just do exclusively mobile and online. Sports gambling, oh. so that's going to be the growth area. There's twice as many sports books in New Jersey now than there were a year ago. So if you thought twice as many, because think about it, it's only the second year. Last year was the first year. So now all the bigger companies are starting to catch up. They're starting to do their thing. Fox Bet just launched this week, right? That's a media company owning a sports book. That's new. That didn't exist a week ago. Certainly didn't exist didn't exist a year ago. Again, that's another online New Jersey-based mobile sports gambling operation. So you're going to see bigger numbers this year and a lot of experts think by the end of this football season New Jersey will be far and away bigger than Nevada and maybe Nevada will never come back to being the number one gambling state
0: well let's keep talking uh, gambling gambling about eric stick around stick around with me uh... And let, let's stick with gambling DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins joins us now from Boston Jason how are you
3: I'm great how are you?
0: I'm, I'm good so uh, how big is the NFL overall right now uh, as a piece of what you're doing how important is this 100 season
3: Oh this I mean the NFL is the most important time of year for us, especially the start of the season it's the most important time for us to get new customers on the platform we post all of our big season long promotions we actually just posted some Ezekiel Elliott stuff today with the news <laughs> he signed so we updated the Cowboys odds of winning the Super Bowl, posted some player props for him. We're actually running some promotions uh, for Ezekiel Elliott, so the uh, team was all over that one.
0: So talk about uh, last year and maybe the year before that. What kind of impact did you see, from uh, if any, from the cultural turmoil that was surrounding the NFL?
3: You know, from our standpoint, we don't see much impact. It's really, uh, you know, for us, it, it seems like it almost isn't happening. And... Um, You know, I realize there's a lot of moving parts in terms of ratings and other things, so it's hard to tell what's going on there. Uh, But, you know, it's really hard to know really how it affects the game. What I can tell you for sure is that it doesn't really have much of an effect on our customers. They continue to play uh, fantasy, they continue to bet, and, um, you know, also part of that might be we're growing, so it's hard to tell if there is an impact, too.
1: Jason, I've seen your offices in Hoboken. There's a lot of interesting activity going on there from a technology point of view. What, what, what do you guys see from, how do I put this? The, the technology, the analytics, on getting users to come on board? Because you see these $500 uh, coupons, discounts, promos, whatever you want to call that online. What is the lifetime value of a customer? What's the right kind of advertisement to get that customer to come on board? And, and all the analytics that you're going to get to do here in season two for you guys, you're going to get growth rates for the first time.
3: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a, really a phase where we're learning. and. This is going to be the first time we've actually seen year-over-year year performance for our online sportsbook product in New Jersey. So everyone's pretty excited and uh, you know, looking at the early charts to see what's happening. You know, As far as what the best way to get people on the platform is, we're always optimizing that. Um, we're always putting new offers out in market. This year we tried a $500 deposit bonus, and that seems to be going really well. Last year we did a, a match-free bet. Um, so, which we still have this year. So we added the deposit bonus on top of that. But we're always looking at different things. And as you noted earlier, it's so early that um, you know I'd be surprised if we hit on what the best ones are yet. But uh, certainly, people seem to like the deposit bonus. They seem to like the free bet, and they really like the odds boost promos we're doing, where we're giving special boosted odds on a bunch of different markets. Especially people like doing that for the futures on the Super Bowl winners and things like that.
0: Jason, where's the technology going with this? I mean, I, we were talking about streaming. We were talking about esports. I mean, I know there's separate platforms now for esports betting, but do you think that becomes a part? Esports becomes a part of the sports betting scene.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, esports like uh, you know other sports, it has to go through its own process of forming structures that allow for. Uh, you know competitions that are consistent, and right now there are those, but it's sort of the beginning days where there will I'm sure be consolidation, and they'll become. You know, I don't know if there ever be like an NFL or Major League Baseball or NBA or NHL of esports, but there will be established leagues, there will be established tournaments, and already some of that's coming together. So um, you know, naturally, like any spectator event, uh, we think that fantasy and betting can be a big part of it, and. We think that esports, in particular, is very well suited to that because, um, you know, due to the nature of the game, the publishers have all kinds of real-time information they can pass along that can enhance the experience, which you can do with real sports. But you have to collect the data from the field of play or the court or the ice, and um, that just makes it a little bit more challenging. Whereas, you know, with esports, you can in true real time feed anything you want over to the. Uh, fantasy embedding companies, which allows us to do some pretty cool and innovative things.
1: Jason, what do you think about the, the launch of FoxBet in New Jersey? That's the first time here in the United States a major media Platform is actually getting involved, owning a piece of their own sports book. It's different from you guys. Obviously, you guys are not a TV network. What do you feel about trying to compete with them when all of a sudden you go to their website and it's pictures of their talent Colin Coward, Carissa Thompson, all these guys that are going to be, you know, they're, they leverage that Fox personality to compete against you. How do you guys balance that coming at it from a different business model?
3: Well, you know, I think it's a great thing, first of all, that FoxBet is here uh right now the focus for everyone um, we believe should be on growing the category making it more mainstream uh making sure that there's thought and uh you know real consideration put into how this thing develops and having more you know high na- uh you know high recall brand name real premium uh partners and players like Fox in the market really helps with that it makes it so that people may you know view it as is more legitimate and more mainstream than they previously did it brings a lot of money into marketing and growing the space. Um, So we think it's a great thing overall, and our strategy hasn't changed. We continue to focus on having the best product, the best user experience, and uh, the best customer service, and and really making sure that, you know, we are the most customer-centric company. And I think, you know, our belief all along has been you do those things well, What's really important is to see the market grow, because if we feel we're creating the best experience and over the long term we're going to have the best product, then we'll do quite well, and really a bigger market is better for us. And I think at this stage, frankly, it's better for everybody. This is right. kind of that gold rush time where you know, everybody should be able to do pretty well for the next few years unless, unless we don't do it right, so that's the most important thing.
0: Ah, at the beginning of the season, hope springs eternal, and it certainly is an interesting market. Jason, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Eric Chemi, thanks for being with me as well. Thanks for having me as well. Uh, Coming up on the podcast, I can't even really tie this in. It's got nothing to do with the NFL or sports, but it's a lot of fun. The rapper Jim Jones has partnered with the jeweler Alex Todd uh, to basically come up with weed products, saucy farms and extracts. I sat down with them, talked to them about their business, to Jim Jones about his expertise in pot, It goes deep, as you might imagine. Go ahead and take a listen on the podcast. Once again, this is Fort Knox. I am John Fort with Alex Todd, Jim Jones. Yes. Talk a little saucy. Yes, Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. um, Alex, tell me, how did this get started? Because you, your family's been in the jewelry business. Um, This is a brand extension. How did you get started with it? So
2: for me, I've been a smoker ever since uh, I realized I wasn't going to the NBA. (laughs) So I was around 15, I'm turning 40 right now, been smoking for 25 years. Something really just started off as a passion project. i seen that a lot of the industry was kind of picking up right now and it was developing in certain states. And like I said, it was more about passion and seeing where for fun and then just turned into something a lot bigger and teamed up with a bunch of great people and now it's something really special we're hopefully gonna turn it into.
0: Yeah, and Jim, you, you've been in a lot of different industries. Yes. You got a, a new album that you dropped this year. Yes. You've done fashion. Yes. You've directed music videos. Yes. Bunch of stuff. Um, why this now?
4: Um, I, I actually happen to be at the right place at the right time. Mm. But like Al said, since a teenager, I've been experimenting with marijuana and to see it come full circle where I have a chance to actually be a part of a marijuana company that's legal in the in the business and can take it to Lord knows where. And then we had a, a mutual friend that actually put us together with my management team. So it all just made sense. And to do something I love and then actually make money off of something I love is... Yeah. What, more, what more did it say?
0: They, they say, find a job you love. You never have to work a day oh, in your man. life. Oh, It True. probably applies doubly to cannabis. <laughs> um, but how does that work? Like, Are you looking for somebody who is a known name, who's tightly associated with cannabis and, and putting the word out like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to work with? Or How do you guys end up?
2: No, nah, I don't think we were actually looking for someone in particular. It just flowed the way it happened. It was just naturally organic. Me and my partner that's partner in this, you know, he's also a part of Rock Nation, OG Wan. You know, they just got back together. He he happened to come along to Rock Nation. We're sitting in the office and the bells just went on. He's like, hold up. You were doing this saucy. Let's put Jim. Jim's perfect. He's been smoking all his life. If anyone knows about marijuana and cannabis, it's Jim. So and he's perfect, you know, it's really like we consider him, there's no one from the East Coast really that's really synonymous with cannabis and with weed. And I think Jim is that guy. He should be that guy if he's not. And, you know, you have Snoop on the West Coast, you know, and Wiz. But really, on the East Coast, we really don't have that guy. And I think we got him
0: now. We were talking before, I am not your weed expert. But tell me how this works. Is it like wine, where there are some people who are just, you know, they've been sampling it so long they know exactly what they like? Do you consider yourself a, a connoisseur?
4: 100%. I'm definitely a marijuana connoisseur when it comes to the taste of the weed, telling you what type, if the weed is good. Like it's just the whole, like, I, I, I'm not a wine taster, but just watching people who could, they gargle it, they taste it on their palate and they tell you, it's, it's the same difference when it comes to marijuana. You off top know what bad weed is. We're not into smoking any bad weed at all. We only smoking the best of the best, which we call gas. We need gas at all times to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Alex, hold on just
0: one second. Can we get them to deal with these screens? so we don't get other shows
2: popping
0: up. Hold on just a sec. This is the benefit of tape. Yeah, exactly.
4: It's actually just like wine. The yeah, exactly. Way you put it. It's perfect. It's like you taste it and... You could tell what it is. Like, you will be getting the 1942.
2: Oh, it starts really just like wine. You look at it first. When you're breaking it up, or you take a look at it, and then you smell it. it's all the same. It's like you you smell test it, you touch it, make sure it smells right, it's feels sticky, right, yeah. it's sticky, yeah. and then the smoke is the most important thing. How it tastes when you're smoking it, all those things matter, you know, because yeah. the cannabinoids, everything, it makes a difference.
0: And I mean, I, I guess right on down to the vineyard, absolutely, right, that it comes from it's absolutely. an agriculture every product.
2: grow, and that's why grows are special. It's like every grow has a special purpose. Some growers ha- are especially known for growing great OGs or great sours or great flavors and all the farms are great, you know, growers are great mm, indigo and definitely. great sativas, you know, so there's a different, all different ways to, to break it down, but it's exactly, it's very similar to wine. It all comes down to the smell test, the look test, and then at the end, the taste, you know, mm. how it smokes
0: and the effect, right?
2: You smoke it,
0: okay. So, Alex, we were talking about the similarities between cannabis, between marijuana and wine, right? So when you're looking to set up this business, are you in essence like starting up a vineyard? Like are you uh, owning the facilities where it's grown, going through, becoming an expert in that? What's the process like?
2: So in every state, it's a little bit different. So for example, in Oregon, we own the vineyard and we've, we've started five years ago. We have the largest grow facility in the state of Oregon. Uh, It's almost 100,000 square feet and Oregon, we're producing a lot of product there. It's mostly a wholesale business. So every state, which makes it a little bit difficult in this industry, is kind of separate. So in in California right now, what we're doing is a little bit different because we had some issues with Oregon and just the learning process and going through everything. So in California, what we do is we visit the best growers in the state. And we personally curate the best product in the state, the most high end, the most Best, best possible marijuana there is in the state and then we put that into Saucy. So we have these relationships that we've established over the years with these farmers. We go, we make, we make a, a, pre, a deal with them, hey, we're only gonna grow this strain for Saucy and we've established these relationships and we basically kick the tires and make sure before anything goes into Saucy, it's literally the cream of the crop and quality control for us is the most important thing.
0: Jim, how do you determine what you put your name and your brand on. You got a blunt? Um, yes, we have,
4: I have a product, it's called the Capital Blunt. That's uh, one of the first of many products that we're gonna bring to the table. It's actually the first um, pre-rolled blunt. As you know, legally in stores, you can't sell a tobacco roll product, so it's rolled in the tea leaf. Um, and When it comes to figuring out, we taste tested like anything else. And I go to Cali or to LA and Alex Pons, like he said, he gets a bunch of the best strands and we sit there a Smoke. lot of research
2: and development. <laughs> a lot of,
4: a a lot lot of, of research and development, and we figure out which is the best strand that we want to put uh, for the next run, and then we stuff those with the cables and we put them in the stores.
0: How does that work? Because I imagine I mean, there's only so much R&D you can do in one session before your judgment starts getting clouded, right? I,
4: mean, I would think. I, don't I mean, know. it's a process. I mean, It's like anything else. There's yeah. only, only so much wine you can drink in one day without your palate starting to confuse you. Yeah, we go through the process and we we end up finding the, uh, the the best weeds. Um but like he said weed is a plentiful thing so it's a lot of different strands that we would like to keep keep it new, keep it fresh and keep people with the best of the gas that they can smoke and not keeping the same thing inside of the blunt. So we,
2: we And that's starting to interrupt them one of the good things about that is that we're never restricted to what our facility puts out. So a lot of times a facility that has a brand attached to it, they spend so much money, for example, a company like Canopy Grove that might have spent, you know, lost a billion dollars last quarter. You know, they spend a lot of money on these facilities. You know, and at the end of the day, if you don't have the brand and you don't have the marketing power behind it to really make it go and the quality, which what it comes down to, now, you're going to have no choice, put it this way. If, if Canopy grows something or any big company that's publicly traded grows something in their facility, no matter what it looks like, they're going to put it out to their end consumer, right? We hand select what we put out to the hand consumer. We don't, we're not restricted to one facility, one farmer, one grow in California. I hand choose. I make sure it's the best. And that's what's one of the beautiful things about Saucy when you know when you go to Medman or you go to RDC or you want to go into one of these, you know, uh, dispensaries you know when you buy saucy it's going to be the best Mm -hmm. and that to us is the most important thing because we're not restricted where if i grow it in my facility i have to worry oh my god we have to sell it no if it's not right it's not going into a saucy product and that's one of the things that i I think keeps us above everyone else
0: jim talk to me about the business of music connected to businesses like this i've heard it said that music sells everything but music you know you got songs so and commercials, it's selling totally cars. True. And, but now you got Jay-Z doing this deal with the NFL. You got Beyonce and Adidas, Kanye and Adidas, Rihanna and Fenty. Uh, so many artists extending their brands into other things. When you, when you see that happening, what do you think?
4: Well, that's what music was always used for. Once we figured out music doesn't make money for music, we used it as a stepping stone to, to get all the ancillary things that come with our notoriety and our successes, and these brands usually double down on the success of these artists to propel their brands. So weed and music's always been synonymous. It's nine times out of 10, any rapper, you know you're probably gonna find a, a ton of pictures with him smoking weed. So if you get the right person from our culture that's uh, known for smoking weed, like a, Jim Jones, like a Snoop Dogg, like a Wiz Khalifa, naturally the people was going to trust our judgment when it comes to a brand that they see us backing up and, and fully supporting about what they're going to smoke. So I would smoke something that Snoop gets on the camera and says, yo, this is the new bomb weed, you need to smoke this. I'm going to try it. If Wiz Khalifa get on it, I'm going to, if Jim Jones gets on the camera and say, oh, we saucing up, this is that saucy nine times out of 10, they're going to try it because they know me smoking throughout their whole career. It's like, damn, they can scratch the screen and smell what I've been smoking <laughs> all this time. So now we're here and it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's no risk of me legally getting in trouble. Alex is showing me all about the business from the farmer's aspect all the way to where we at now outside of Wall Street. So it is, the, the money of it has been proven. you got these big companies that don't know too much about Actually, weed and farming, but they know that there's a billions of dollars to be made. So now they are doubling down and investing in it. So I think this is, like I said, probably the biggest thing since dot com hit. Right. Is this weed business?
0: Alex, how do you structure this so that it's fair and it's right? Because you know Jim's brand, significant brand, tied up with this, it's on the line. Um, you know, when it comes to ownership stakes, when it comes to uh, associations going forward, what's the right way to do it? So.
2: The most important thing for us, when, and I think Rock Nation in general, is that they just always ownership, ownership, ownership. And one of the things I told them right away, I was like, look, you made a lot of mistakes in the past. You put Supreme on the map. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you would have had a couple of points in Supreme, that'd be worth 20, 30 million dollars. And if it wasn't for him and the culture, that's what put them on the map. So for us, the most important thing we're getting Jim involved is to make sure and to preach. This is your thing. Capo is yours. Not only is the capital yours, what you help build with saucy, you're gonna have a part of that too. So he's part of everything. And that's the most important thing is for us, you know, for him to be a part of it and for him to really, you know, not not to be blindsided by the short money and having to worry about, oh we have to make money today, today. No. This he understands it's a long-term thing. He's in it for the long term, he's putting his work in and He's gonna be deserved, he's gonna deserve to get what he gets at the end of the day. Mm. When it happens, God willing, when we're back here selling this company for a few billion dollars, he's gonna be, get what he deserved, not a $10,000 check and a thank you. Right. You know, a tap and on they, the shoulder. you
4: know what the biggest, some of the biggest things for me for this is it, the amount of jobs that we're gonna be able to offer people mm. by building our company. Like, we're dealing with facilities that's 100,000 square feet Right now and bigger. So as our company gets bigger, it's only allowed to go. And more people we get to hire, and right. these are not, you know these are people that deserve jobs and willing to come into work for a good company. And that makes that makes my heart smile a lot because I know I've been in situations where wasn't too many jobs to be offered, and this is a, a job offering in the weed business. Like, it's, <laughs> you you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's it's a great it's a great opportunity. I appreciate that.
0: Talk to me about the business journey because in your music your lyrics are really authentic you're mm-hmm. very upfront about coming up through the streets yes. hustling yes. um making mistakes w- what's the journey been for you and the way you view money coming up you know maybe short term how you view it now
4: um i didn't view money coming up i i i spent it as fast as possible as fast as i made it as fast as i spent it i came up in a fast paced life, we watched the hustlers coming up and that money was a fast dollar. So when I first started getting my first legal money in the industry, naturally I spent it like I was still on the corner, like a fast dollar. I had to learn the hard way, by damn, near almost losing everything. Millions and millions of dollars due to just living life and almost hitting rock bottom and had to catch myself. And But when you grow up in Harlem, you're a hustler. It's never rock bottom. You're always gonna find a way to make a dollar and, and build yourself back up. And, Now, I understand what money is needed for. Got a family, got homes, moms. I wanna make sure everybody's taken care of and I can't do that by spending the money foolishly. And having good people in your corner to give you great advice that knows more about money than you do is always a plus. And I appreciate people like Alex and OG Wong for showing me now how to make my money, make money, how to save my money, not burn my money. You know what I mean? It's a lot. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it right now, and I'm thankful for that.
0: Give me a bit of an outlook. uh, Next couple years, you're in California now with MedMen. I know you're looking to expand out to Oregon. What's the trajectory? So we're
2: in Oregon now, more on a wholesale basis. Medman is just one of the stores that we're in. We're, yes. We don't have an exclusive deal with them. We're in right. about 100 dispensaries right now in the last three months, which nice. is pretty fast paced. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, we're approaching 100 stores. Medman is one of the one of our you know one of the bigger Biggest. stores, and I yeah. think personally, in my opinion, is probably the best dispensary and the best uh, you know the best dispensary definitely by far in terms of uh, just building a brand. Business structure. And just beautiful f- being out there, beautiful store. Yes. And I think they're I, I, they're definitely gonna help us grow. And you know, we're speaking to a couple of MSOs, multi-state operators. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term, multi-state operators. You know, um, I think there's a couple of them that we are speaking to right now. I'm not gonna mention any of their names, but they're gonna help us basically. We're gonna partner up with them and we're in discussions to bringing us around to every state little by little. We're gonna do a couple pilots, hopefully hit Florida, First, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Chicago will probably be the next couple of states that we're in. And uh, like I said, there's a couple of comp- big companies that are talking to us. I think there's a lot of undervalued stocks out there. I think Medman's really undervalued with what's what's going on. I think Ianthis is another really undervalued stock out there. Um, there's, a, you know, because there's a lot of companies out there that they're still undervalued here and I've been taking a little bit of a bad rap, like Madman's been taking a little bit of bad rap in the news, but they're a really strong company. So I think that Adam, also the CEO there is really, he's a good guy and I think he's gonna, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna do really
0: well. Finally, Jim, talk to me about rivalries and mending fences. Because through the years, I mean, you had some some beef with a few people who you since, you know, gotten back together with, you're doing business with. we went through different periods in, in hip-hop, you know, self-destruction, where, where we, we talked about East Coast, West Coast rivalries and then things got better. It seems like you've been through that personal journey, yes. too. Tell me
4: about it. Um, get, 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 coming into this rap game is similar to coming into the NBA. When Allen Iverson first came to the NBA, he had to play against Michael Jordan. He didn't hold back. You know, this was his chance to turn, his idol became his rival at that moment. You understand what I'm saying? Right. But you gotta, you gotta play your best game out here if you wanna stay in this game. And it's the same thing that went on with me, even though it was a little bit more aggression added within this rap game, but it was pretty much the same thing. And in turn, time heals everything. You get older, you become smarter. Decisions you made when you were younger, you won't, make right now, like Farrakhan told me when I met him, things that he said when he was younger, he would never say now. And the things that I've done and said when I was younger, nine times out of 10, I won't repeat now. And I'm happy to be in this place where I could own up to all the things that I've done wrong and realize that I'm heading in the right direction right now, especially with all this good fortune coming to me. Some of the people that I, I people might've considered some of my worst enemies are now turning to some of my greatest friends. You know? Right. So, yeah. See you a, and Jay Z? Yes. Shout out to Jay, Jay yeah. for giving me a great opportunity, especially yeah. with the Rock Nature family and the management and all the business opportunities right. they've been providing to me, especially with Alex and, and the Saucy. So, I'm in a great place. I, I really it's can't a ask for so more. Different bag with Rock Nature. A lot of people don't get a second chance. You know what I mean? So, I'm yeah. trying to grab this with every hand I got. All right.
0: Well, good luck to the both of you. Uh, definitely an interesting product. Maybe I'll, I'll get to the point where, you know, I'm ready to, to well, dive make, in. Sure you,
4: make sure you come to us so we can educate you and, and make sure you do it the right way. I'll
0: learn from the best, right? Absolutely. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Thank you. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes, leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox series on LinkedIn. That's brand new and a great way to keep up with the trends I'm seeing both on this Fort Knox show and in my other work on CNBC. That's also the absolute best way to be in touch with me. Leave a comment on the series. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-R-N-O-X dot slash YouTube. Matter of fact, you can go to YouTube now and see video of these conversations. Or you can go to the CNBC apps on Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV and find Fort Knox in the featured area. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.